This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The first lesson is from Deuteronomy. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Holy wisdom, holy word. The second lesson is from Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphippa, our sister, to Archippus, her fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love, and I, Paul, do this as an old man and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. 
If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me even for your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident in your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Holy wisdom, holy word. The Gospel according to Luke, the 14th chapter. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower doesn't first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king won't first sit down and, and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation to ask for terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. On uh, Friday, Ruth and I joined uh, Chris and Ben. I don't think there was anyone else there from Lord of Life, unless I'm forgetting, which happens a lot. Um, but we went to see this documentary that was being shown called uh, Becoming Truly Human. And this documentary attempts to look at the growing segment of the population known as nuns, N-O-N-E-S, taken from their response to surveys where when it asks, are you Christian, Buddhist, whatever, or none of the above? These are those who check that last box. People who for one reason or another have drifted away from the church. It, if you look at a graph, a line graph showing all the various denominations, what you find is that they are all trending downward and the only segment trending up are these nuns. They now comprise almost 25% of the population which means they are on the verge of becoming the largest affiliation in our nation. Although we are still by far a Christian nation, if you start pushing that, that name, 
if you start asking people exactly what that means and what it means for their lives, we find that it begins to ring hollow. And certainly what we are finding is that more and more people are questioning the value of the church, are questioning the relevancy of the church. And of course then the church argues strenuously for its relevance, but it seems as soon as you have to start arguing for relevance, you've already lost that argument. Many reasons are pointed to for why this segment is growing so quickly. Some suggest that it's a, uh, it's a much faster-paced, nimbler population than we once were, and so it becomes harder and harder for people to make long-term commitments to organizations. We point to the... Uh, growing distrust of institutions, our disappointment and sometimes even disgust with them when we feel that they do more harm than good. We point to social network platforms that allow communities to form and dissolve around topics and around happenings very transient communities without the need for long-term commitment. We also point to what can be the divisive nature of religion's claims of exclusivity. The claim that we are right and you are wrong. That this one can save us and not this one. Or that this one believes this and not that. Which forces us then to draw lines to say you are right and you are wrong. You are in, you are out. And all of this can make having discussions around this topic very difficult. Because for better or for worse, religion, well, we tend to adopt a religion because we believe it is the truth. And so when someone questions those truths, it can feel like they are questioning us, that they are questioning the foundation upon which we have built our life. And so conversations between the religious and these nuns don't tend to go well because either we tend to try to argue them back into the church or try to prove that they are wrong or just generally get bunchy. And so they tend to opt to be quiet instead, to not talk about their growing doubts or concerns and to simply drift away. And it's not helped sometimes when Jesus makes demands like we hear today in the gospel. 
Jesus certainly has a habit of poking things with sharp sticks. He pokes the religious institutions of his day, questioning their practices, their traditions, their beliefs. He pokes the government of the day, questioning their understanding of power and their priorities. And today he turns that pointy stick on perhaps the last bulwark of togetherness in our society, the nuclear family. You can't follow me unless you hate your mother and father, unless you hate your kids. You can't follow me unless you hate yourself, unless you're just a general misanthrope. (laughs) You can't follow me. Oh, and by the way, give up everything you have. Then you can follow me. Oh, by the way, take up this cross. Jesus, well, first of all, notice the context in which he says all this. The reading begins with saying there was a large crowd following him. It's almost as if the very fact that there was a large crowd bothered him, and he felt a need to respond to it. Then he backs off just a little bit, perhaps, or at least explains a bit of what he is trying to get at here. Look, did you think this was going to be a joy ride? Did you think this was going to be all unicorns and and, and rainbows? We are about something difficult. We are about making change. We are about heaven and earth being altered. We are about new life coming into the world that does not look anything like the life we have known. This is a way of being that will come into conflict with the way things are. This is a way of being that will come into conflict with a society that views animals, minerals, vegetables, and humans as commodities to be consumed. This is a way of being that will come into conflict with a life that is built around gaining advantage or gaining power over others. This is a way of being that will come into conflict with that that gut instinct to take care of yourself first before you take care of others. This will not be easy. Count the cost. And it seems that whenever Jesus turns that sharp stick on someone or something, it's because they are clinging to something without thinking about it. They are holding on to something that has become more of a form, more of a habit, more of 
a static structure than life. Choose life. The theme that we have adopted for this rally day is building our faith. And we've used Legos as, as a symbol of that. I mean, come on, who doesn't love Legos? And I dare say that most of us have had some experience building with Legos. I know we certainly got Lego kits for our kids and many a Christmas day and days thereafter would be spent with the instructions out on the floor, the Legos out on the floor, putting this thing carefully together until you ended up with a Batmobile or a fire station or, or whatever it was you were putting together. But the real glory and power of Legos are not in what you've built. It's in what you can build. And once those instructions are carefully followed and that Batmobile comes into being, it's hard to resist the temptation for very long before you start pulling the wheels off and before you start building other things out of those same bricks. It seems to me part of the reason perhaps that the church is in the situation that it is is we become so enamored of what we have built that we are loath to let it be rebuilt. We've become so enamored of the answers that we found that we are loath to ask the questions again or even to hear the questions from others. We have become so enamored with what we have found that we have neglected to keep searching. Now the good news in all this is that many of these nuns consider themselves religious people or spiritual people. And indeed, the very reason that they have left the church is because they are looking for truth. They are looking for life. It's just that they haven't found it here. Martin Luther wrote, we are in the process of becoming. We are on the road. This is not the end, but we are on the road. We have not arrived yet, but we are travelers. He understood that faith, Christianity, is not about arriving, it is about traveling. It is not about being, it's about changing. And so the church needs to become a place not of answers, but of more questions. Where we can hear the doubts 
where we can hear the questions of others and allow them to perhaps motivate us to build something new, to reconfigure those pieces that have built such a wonderful structure, such a wonderful institution, and dare to trust the Holy Spirit to guide us to build something equally wonderful and beautiful. The one thing we know is that the church can't continue to be what it has been. The one thing we don't know for sure is where this road will take us. What we will end up looking if we truly allow ourselves to be changed by the Holy Spirit. Because you and I are on the road. You and I are travelers. We are still on a journey that began at baptism and will end we know not where. But we know that we will be sustained along our journey that God gives us bread and wine to strengthen us. God gives us community to encourage us. God gives us the examples of those around us to inspire us. And God promises to walk with us. The cross that we carry represents God's overwhelming love for creation but it also represents the drastic change that must come into being. For at the cross is where God's way of being and man's way of being collide. So we'll take up our cross and follow the one who's already been there and trust God's promise that this is the way we will find life. Amen.